So imagine, just imagine, we're sitting in a group much like this, and through that door come running about three, maybe four, hysterical women. Hysterical. They are just completely hysterical. And they walk in and they say, you will never believe what just happened to us. You know that friend of ours who died three days ago? Well, he's not in his coffin. And we just had a conversation with him. You'd be like, that's a few bits of fruit shy of a full fruit bowl. Really? Or you imagine two guys walk in and they say, you know, we're walking down the road to the next town. And you know that friend that died two or three days ago? He walked with us and we didn't even recognize him. We didn't recognize him. Until that night, he broke bread like our friend had done before. And then all of a sudden we saw who he was. And then he disappeared again. Fruit, fruit bowl. Or there's that guy named Thomas. Okay, He comes in and he says, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, my friend, he's alive. And you know how I know? He let me put his hand in the place where they cut his side open. And you'd be like, in human terms, you'd be like, when or how can we get this dear man sectioned? Really? But this is what happened. John and Luke and bits of Matthew tell us that this is what happened. And it is amazing. It is astounding. It is shocking. I can imagine in those times that even people who, who had been with Jesus thought that was a bit out of this world. So who is this Jesus guy? Who is this friend that died? Who is he? Uh, and, and what was he about? And what did he say? What did he say? He made some really, really out there statements about himself. So one of my best quotes, I haven't actually read the book, it's on my bucket list, book bucket list, um, is, is the quote from C.S. Lewis which says, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit him out and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But, to, to let, us not, but let us not come with the patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he never intended it that way. That's fantastic. I love that. <clears throat> so have you ever thought... Have you ever thought about the claims that Jesus of Nazareth made about himself? He said that the Father sent him. He declared that he came down from God. 
the words that he spoke, God had actually given him. And that everything he did, he did according to the commandment of God. He claimed that he would be the final judge of the world. He even claimed that no man could come to God except through him. Jesus commanded his followers to believe in him, love him, obey him, sacrifice for him, worship him, and if need be, die for him, as he would for God. The simple truth is that Jesus claimed to be God. In John 8, 58 to 59, Jesus said to some Jewish leaders, before Abraham was, I am, or before Abraham was even born, I have always been alive. The Greek translation would read, before Abraham was, I am. So in Exodus, God identifies himself to Moses as, I am. God replied, yeah, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is a statement, so Jesus made this statement of I am. It's a statement that Jesus is eternal. It's not I was or I will be. It's eternal. And theologians believe that Jesus was deliberately identifying himself with that designation and saying that he was also God. So, okay, but... How is this evident? Well, it's evident because the Bible says people actually picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. So they they obviously got the correlation between what what God had said to Moses in Exodus and what Jesus was saying to them. He was referring to himself as God. Now, in the light of these claims, what are we to think? What are we to think concerning Jesus? Well, we have about three possibilities, and you would have seen them on the beginning of the on the beginning slide. Is the possibilities that we have is, is that first he was a complete fake, a liar. Okay. The second was he was a complete loon, completely nuts, absolutely nutter. And the third was that he was exactly whom he claimed to be, the Son of God. So that's what we're going to look at today. We are going to look at the liar, lunatic. Oh Lord. So the first possibility we have is that Jesus was a liar. Okay. It, it, some people still believe he's a liar. It's, it's a, you know, a feasible thing, I suppose. So <clears throat> he said that he was God, which is a fairly extreme and elaborate lie. Because in his preaching, he told others to not lie. So in actual fact, he would have then been a hypocrite. Matthew 5.37, which is his sermon on the, part of his Sermon of the Mount, he says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So, so Jesus did more than just say that he was God. <clears throat> he also did stuff to prove he was God. But during his ministry, he commanded the storms to be still. He walked on water. He healed the sick, raised the dead, fed 5,000 plus people, then 4,000 plus people with a few fish and loaves. Five loaves, two fish, and the next one was about the same, seven loaves and a few small fish. 
The first one was 5,000 and the second one was 4,000. I was always very impressed by that. I think that's pretty darn amazing. If we could do that in this, this day and age, I think we'd put Sainsbury's out of business and various other shops would just pray for our food and it just multiplies. It's great. And then they multiply the cake and multiply... I digress. <laughs> Wherever the, true, wherever the true message of Jesus, so the true message of Jesus has gone, there's been new life, there's been new hope, new purpose for living, have been the results of that. So it's not only converted individuals, but it's changed societies, and that's, it's been proven to change societies. In true Christian mission fields, the message of Jesus has established standards of hygiene and purity, promoted industry. It has elevated womanhood. It has restrained antisocial customs. It's abolished cannibalism, human sacrifice and cruelty. It's organized famine relief and changed social structures for the better. Jesus has inspired more writings, discussion, works of art and songs than a whole army of great men and of ancient and of modern times. So Jesus accomplished more good for mankind than anyone else who has ever lived, which, if, is a, if it's a lie, is astounding. It's astounding. If he was lying and accomplished all of this, then that is the most impressive lie I have ever, ever heard. Not just that, if he was a liar, he was certainly convicted in his lie because he was almost stoned a couple of times and he was in actual fact crucified. Now I don't know if anybody knows what happens to you when you get crucified, but suffice to say, crucifixion, uh, I don't know the exact dates and times, but even for the, the Roman Empire, crucifixion went out because they realized it was so cruel they couldn't do it anymore. It was really, really awful. And so he gets crucified and he has every opportunity to recant that when he's been whipped when he's been, you know, when they're, they're standing around him, um, taunting him. Um, what about when he's on the cross and his, and his limbs are literally being torn out of their sockets? When the internal bleeding starts, or when his organs start to shut down, or when he starts to drown in his own blood? If he were a liar, he would have all those times to say, you know what, guys, get me down. I'm not really who I say I am. But he didn't. He didn't. He followed through on everything he said. So, okay, so he, he went to the cross. So maybe he was absolutely bonkers. He was crazy. That, that nothing else can really explain. He was nuts, okay? So he was delusional or schizophrenic or any other of the varied terms that fall under the label of crazy. Um, but if we look closer at Jesus' life, then the more difficult it is to find abnormality or imbalance or even inconsistency um, that you would normally see with lunatics or with crazy people. Um, Jesus, Jesus pointed to peace. 
He encouraged love with no limits at all. He was meek, but he wasn't weak. He had power without pride and arrogance. He didn't lord it over people. He suffered without self-pity. He faced a flogging and, again, a shocking death without once ever changing or even deviating one single word from his story. Not one single word. He never changed anything. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most, well, it, it certainly always makes an impression on me because I find it such an incredible, if, if everybody lived their life according to the Sermon of the Mount, I think it would solve many a problem in the world. But, you know, you look at the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew, in Matthew, and it starts with the Beatitudes. And those in themselves are complete opposites to to um, a worldly way of living, a selfish way of living. He points to, he points to the poor. He, he, he blesses the mournful. The, he comforts. He promotes humility. There's, there's you know, humility and justice, um, mercy, purity, peace, doing the right thing. They're all things that promote the good in society and in life. You know, and if Jesus was crazy, wouldn't you want the whole world to be that kind of crazy? Wouldn't everybody be so much better off if we were all that insane? So what is the alternative then? Well, the alternative then is that he was exactly who he claimed to be which is Lord, which is God, which is the Son of God. So what did he say? He said, I am God in the flesh. In John 10, 30, verse 33, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And it almost killed him for blasphemy once again. He said, I am the Son of God. In Matthew 6, before the high priest, Jesus under oath declares that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And it's on that basis that the declaration that the Sanhedrin, that the, the, on basis of that declaration, that the Sanhedrin command him to be crucified for blasphemy. He says, he is the Savior, the Lord of sinners. The Messiah. But Jesus clearly said he was the Messiah in many scriptures. But here in, in Luke, when he walked with the two men down the road to Emmaus, he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, <clears throat> he, Jesus, sorry, Jesus explained to them what was said in, in all the scriptures concerning himself. And later he declares to his disciples, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. In Matthew, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And they reply, 
they reply to him and they say, John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he asks, who do you say I am? And Peter replies saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to which Jesus blesses him because it's not revealed to him by any human but by God. Thomas calls Jesus my Lord and my God. Jesus <laughs> acknowledged it as true and commanded Thomas for perceiving it, saying, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. They've locked themselves out. <laughs> they have really locked themselves out. <laughs> that door was a pain. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus expressly acknowledges that he is God. And he's, he says that he expects all his believers to recognize that he is God too. On several other occasions, people declared in his presence that he is the Son of God. And he never questions that statement. The disciples said to him, Truly, you are the Son of God. Martha also said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has, to come, who has come to the world. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. And Jesus commended him for believing it. So what is your response to that question today? What is your response to Jesus Christ's identity? Is he the liar? Is he the lunatic? Or is he Lord? Does he, does he have that central place in your life? Does he... Does he command that of you and your reaction to him is yes, Lord? So there are many arguments, many arguments that can be made for or against any one of these things that I've just spoken about. But when we get down to the essence of it, what is it that you're actually arguing about? What are you arguing for? Can I be so bold as to say that it might be pride? Are we so in our own little world that we don't want it disrupted by someone who may say, you know what, that that you're doing in your life is not really good for you and I love you and I think it would be wise if you didn't do that. Is that what we're struggling with? Saying, well, you know what? It's my life. I can do what I want with it. Or is it fear? If I give that up, <clears throat> then what? You know, I'm a, I'm an, you know, I'm a sugarholic. If I give up sugar, mm, 
where am I going to get my energy from? Or um, how can I let my children have Easter eggs? And not me. I mean, I've got to be able to partake of that, really. Is it fear? It is a fairly... It is fairly simple. Jesus is who he says he is or he isn't. And your life here on earth and after that is dependent on the way you answer that one question. Who do you think he is? Who do you know he is even? So... Again, C.S. Lewis has another quote um, from the same book, in fact, and he, he says this. He says, Christianity, if false, is of absolutely no importance. But if it's true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Now, as I say, we've had a a tough four weeks, so my notes finish there, (laughs) Um, which is always interesting. (laughs) Um, But what I did want to also say is is that, you know, we we run an alpha every year. And if this sparks questions, if you're going, well, actually, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. I'm not... I know I know who Jesus is, but was he really who he says he is? Then come along. You know, those questions get answered. Um, <clears throat> and if that is a question that you're asking now, then we want to pray for you. We want to talk with you. Um, we want to be able to to show you who Jesus is. Um, the most the most amazing. What I'll do is I'll just tell you. You know, I, I know I I know a lot of you here, and we see each other in church, and we we wave hello, and some of you come to our life group, and and and. We briefly chat and we briefly talk, but we never really talk, talk, do we? It's like, hi, how are you? How's life? And you never really get into the nitty-gritty. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you how Jesus impacted my life. It's nothing glamorous, but uh, that's, I think that's, that's where we're going to go with this. So, I was not brought up a Christian at all. Um, My parents are Dutch. They come from the Netherlands. We grew up in South Africa. And we were as far from God as you could possibly imagine. And my father had an insatiable urge to go to church. Where it well, where it came from, I'm I'm, I'm not really hundred percent sure, but he had an urge to go to. So what they did was, they took their kids, dropped them off at Sunday school, and went and had coffee 
and then pick their kids up from Sunday school. <laughs> so we went to Sunday school and my parents went and had coffee. So that was, that was quite funny. That was my father's insatiable urge to go to church. So we went to church. Eventually he started going to church as well, but at exactly the same time my parents' marriage just disintegrated. <clears throat> and our family was, was torn apart, basically. My parents, don't get me wrong, my parents are still on speaking terms. Um, when Mike and I got married, my father stayed with my mother and my stepfather. Um, so it's all very, very amicable. But at the time, the, everything, the relationship, everything just completely collapsed. And we were living in this, this, this beautiful house, beautiful big house, and all of a sudden we had to move to these tiny little, two tiny little houses. My mother lived in one, and my father lived in the other, and I lived with my mum, and my sister and my brother lived with my dad. And we could move, we could move around the houses when we wanted to, but was, it, was, it wasn't, it's obviously not great. As children, you don't want your parents to, to break up. Anyway... So my dad um, was walking the dog one day and he heard some lovely singing, some beautiful singing, and he walked into a building. He tied the dog up in a park. He tied the dog up and he walked into the building where the singing was and this so happened to be a church. <laughs> and I think the second Sunday he committed his life to God. He was so taken aback and utterly transformed by all of this that he you know he, he made that commitment and that because he was so enthusiastic about it he took his children um, and so about two weeks after that I made that same commitment so I was about 14 years old anyway um, I had no idea what I was getting into um, not that it's not not that you're getting into anything that is um, negative in your life, but it's it it just it it completely overwhelmed me, and I'm a fairly emotional person, so um, I think the emotion drove me more than the actual decision. Anyway, so it took about it took about a year for me to realise, you know, really, I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know, and I just thought, you know, this whole God stuff is just not happening for me so I didn't stop going to church just couldn't really be bothered and um, it must have been about when I was 16 or 17 I was going through well teenage angst really I suppose is what you could call it um, school wasn't going well I'm not a school person anyway so lying in my bed and um, I was just you know, I, I had a glass of wine, and uh, yeah, my, my our parents let us drink wine early. Um, not, not, not a very responsible parental thing to do, but you know, Europeans and all. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting in my sitting in my bedroom with a glass of red wine, and uh, I was just I don't know. I think I just had a a, a moment of whimsy and sort of said, "Well, God." fine mess you've got me into it's your fault and you know you really want to do something do something 
Well, I have never heard it again, ever. And honestly, it, it, I, I hope I don't because it wasn't, um, it was quite impressive. But an audible voice that was not in my head, you know, I told my mum and she's like, yeah, no, it's just your head. <laughs> Um, an audible voice said, you go back to church. And it, it, sh- it shocked me to the point that the next day I phoned one of the youth leaders from my old church and I said, oh, I'd really like to come to church on Sunday. Do you think I could sit with you? <laughs> and she was fine and she said, yeah. So... I went to church on Sunday in my most ripped jeans I could possibly find, in the most rebellious type of T-shirt I could possibly find, with my hair in a mess, looking like a complete, just uninterested party. I'm here because I've been made to be here. And... I went to church and I sat like this. And I really wasn't interested. And two or three people tried to make conversation with me. And I was like, oh. Mm. And, uh, and uh, uh, so we're sitting down. And the only thing I remember about the service is that when the offering basket came round, and again, I have no idea how this happened. I went to grab the offering basket and the entire offering basket flipped over and everything fell on the floor. So the anonymous me, wanting to be completely unseen by all of everyone turned around and went, oh. And I was scrambling coins, notes, the whole lot, put it back. So anyway, that was my next message about, you know, sit up straight, behave yourself, don't be such a... (laughs) And that started me on a, a, a road with God that has been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, you know, my, my, Except for my dad. My dad is still a Christian. My entire family didn't want anything to do with God. They were, in fact, supposed to be here today, but painting eggs got the better of them. <laughs> the better of them. They were supposed to do it yesterday, but it all just went a bit pear-shaped, and they, they were supposed to be here today. And they are just not interested. Not interested. They, they, they think Jesus was a teacher. That's what they think. And... They have, they have declared, they have many, many times said, you're such a fanatic. Don't you think it's time to just get over it? Um, no. <laughs> no. And, you know, in, in everything that's happened, I didn't meet Mike until I was 34 years old because God made me a promise. He said, you will meet your husband in church. And my word... You know, I was told, go to a pub, there you'll meet a guy. (laughs) And a Christian person told me that. (laughs) You know, God has over the years 
taken me from, from an unconfident, um, really hollow shell and, and grown me and built me and lifted me up to be, you know, what I am today. And I'm not, a, I'm not finished. I don't think any of us are finished until we are in heaven. But he's changed my life completely. And no liar could do that. Nothing based on a lie could take a person's life from nothing, from emptiness to fullness. It wouldn't work because lies always get revealed. They always come out any lie. doesn't matter. Even if it's 30 years down the line, a lie will be revealed. And if Jesus were crazy, then, okay, then maybe I'm crazy too. Because everything he said works. Everything he said is right. Everything he, who he was, how he behaved, was completely spot on. And if that was able to take me, this very unconfident person, um, you know, and, and, and turn that around, then hey, amen to that, <laughs> you know. But he is Lord. He is absolute 100% Lord. Lord of my life, Lord of my marriage, Lord of us being parents. And in the last four weeks, going up, planning up to this, my, my relationship with my husband has come under so much pressure. So much pressure. It's, it's insane. I have never experienced that ever. But it is, if to me, it's evidence that God is real. Why? Because the enemy hates it. He hates it. And if he can sow strife in your life, in your marriage, in your friendships, in, in your relationships with other people, then he will do it. And I'm not giving him any honor here at all, but I'm, 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 these, are, these are the facts, you know. And if this is what God wanted to say this morning, and I know there are a lot of Christians here, but if there's obviously something God wanted to say this morning, or that would never have happened. And I did theater school. I have no issue standing up here. But yesterday, I sent a text to the, to the lead team because I was panicking, completely panicking. And they prayed for me, and I prayed, and I, you know, okay, we've got a house full of people as well, so it's finding a, mo- a moment to, to pray and ask God, to trust God, to, to bring that peace in your life. But, yeah, you know, and God does. He comes, and he completely sorted it. And, you know, I thought I had a 45-minute message. I do in the end, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but, you know, it, everything was completely a mess. But because he's not a liar, he's not a lunatic, he's a lord. And the enemy hates it. He hates it. And so he will bring any kind of strife that he can to avoid you coming to the same conclusion that I have come to at the age of 17 and then again at 19. <laughs> and we had a few wobbles along the way. <laughs> but, you know, I, I am 100% convinced that if God was not in my life, I would probably be in an awful place if not dead because that's the way my life was going I had already tried to kill myself once that's the way my life was going and God changed it he, he completely moved it from Z to A completely if anything that I have said this morning resounds with you or touches you in some way, however that may be, then I would love to pray for you. And I'm sure Ange and Paul and a few other people can pray for you as well. But if there is any...